This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. This show brought to you by Indeed, Pepsi, Regents Field, and Bet Online. Go check out all our sponsors. They would absolutely appreciate it, as would I. So it is Friday, obviously in a few hours, or possibly already, depending when you're listening to this podcast. We know what's going on with Kenny Galladay. We know what's going on with Desmond Trufant. But more importantly, the Lions play the Packers on Sunday afternoon in Lambeau Field in front of no fans. And to do all of that and to break all of that down, we've got my colleague who covers the Packers, Rob Domovsky. That interview will be coming up right after the break on this show. But before we get to that, obviously a couple of things just of note. Personally, I think that right now the Lions and you as a Lions fan, if you're listening to this, Probably should be preparing that Kenny Galladay not going to play this weekend, considering he didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, and he missed two days last week of practice, didn't play in the game last Sunday, and Matt Patricia really kind of made it sound like they're going to you know, monitor that and try to be cautious with it because you don't want to lose him at this point for like six or seven weeks. It sounds to me like if you read tea leaves that Kenny Galladay might not play. Desmond Trufant, we'll see what happens here on Friday as far as if he practices, but I don't get the sense that he's going to play either, and you're probably looking at a starting cornerback group of Amani Awarie, Jeff Okuda, and either, as we talked about, I believe, on yesterday's show, maybe Daryl Roberts in the slot, or maybe they play three safeties and put Tracy Walker in the slot, or maybe Tony McRae ends up playing in the slot as Detroit already in week two is kind of piecing together its secondary, which at one point, you know, two weeks ago, looked like it might have been one of the deepest positions on the roster. Now, who knows? I also don't know exactly what to make of what you're going to get out of wide receiver reps. I know for fantasy purposes, that doesn't necessarily help. I do wonder, and I apologize and regret not asking Daryl Bevel this, whether They went with Cephas last week more because he was similar to Galladay versus Marvin Hall, who's much more of a speed receiver when it comes to reps and obviously the game plan they had put together before practice started that week 
had Kenny Galladay involved, where this week they were able to pl- game plan more for a non-Kenny Galladay offense, which maybe me- would mean more Marvin Hall, more Marvin Jones taking different types of route concepts and different positions within the offense. Or maybe they stick with Cephas again. So it will be interesting to see what Detroit chooses to do there when they look at how to divide up the receiving reps beyond Amendola in the slot and Marvin Jones on the outside. So those are, I think, the two main questions you're probably looking at. Terrell Crosby, I thought, handled himself well enough, as we've talked about a couple of times on this podcast, to where they're not going to miss Vitae as much as maybe they would if Crosby had not played well, and we still don't know exactly what you're getting out of Vitae. And obviously the bigger thing, as we talked about on yesterday's show, is that Jeff Okuda is going to get to make his debut here on Sunday unless something unforeseen happens. And that's going to be something to watch. It's going to be potentially a really big deal for Detroit. And it's going to be a stiff test for him early. He talked to the media on Thursday. It sounds like he's ready for it. It sounds like he's prepared for it. He said it's going to actually be his first ever NFL game. And last week he watched with his family from home. I wonder if that's because of if you're not going to play and you know you're not going to play, don't need to be in the building because of COVID restrictions, or if it was something else, sometimes Lions injured players aren't necessarily allowed to be at games, or they have to watch from suites, which clearly maybe you couldn't do this time around. So I, I don't know exactly why Okuda wasn't there, but he wasn't. So this is going to be exciting for him too. He gets his first real NFL game, not only to play in, but to be at at Lambeau Field. So whether you're a Lions fan, a Packers fan, a fan of no team, Lambeau is one of the more special places in the NFL, and that's got to be a pretty cool little, like, I played my first game in the NFL at Lambeau type of moment for him. So we'll get into a bunch of the Packers stuff, Packers preview, Lions preview, with what both Rob and I might see coming out of the week of practice and going into Sunday's game right after this break. And at the end of that interview, I'll have my prediction for the week. So keep it right here with the Michael Rothstein Show. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, whether you're in a city that has some fans or you're just at home watching the Lions or watching the Bears or watching the Packers, more than likely if you're listening to this show, watching the Lions – And I get it. You're going to want some carbonated beverage to help you through it. Pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times, that's three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three 
million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Now, back to our show. My next guest is no stranger to this show, like my guest last week, Jeff Dickerson. He is a multiple-time participant on this little endeavor we're doing, the Michael Rothstein Show. He covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN. He is one of my favorite colleagues. Sorry, everybody else. Rob Demosky, <laughs> welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show for like That's the what- 400th time. That's probably what you said to Jeff Dickerson last week. Come on now. No, Jeff Dickerson asked me why he doesn't get better gifts like he gets <laughs> off a time show. So I gave him a round of applause, and that wasn't good enough. I don't know if Jeff's ever going to come on again. <laughs> so let's just get right into it, right? Aaron Rodgers is back to being Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> For one week, yes, he was. In, in all seriousness, do you think that that was a blip against – what usually is a decent Minnesota yeah. defense, or has he more rediscovered what he has been in the past? Yeah, I, I mean, I do think, Mike, that in all seriousness, there is something to the idea that he has been rejuvenated a little bit. Um, and, and not necessarily, at least he doesn't, he claims it's not necessarily because they drafted Jordan Love. But, you know, he taught, he's talked a lot this offseason and going leading into this season about how he's just found this inner peace uh in his personal life which we can read into that whatever you want to read it and everybody knows you know who he dated and who he used to date but we can we can put that aside and just you know he really i think you know took a did some self-reflection um and then from a football standpoint like he made this casual comment about uh, maybe a week or two into training camp where he said hey i was looking at something and i just stumbled upon some film from the 2010 season, which of course was their Super Bowl year. And I noticed something that I, and he wouldn't say what, and knowing him, he probably never will. Um, or he'll reveal it like, you know, five years down the road. But he, he said he noticed something and watching some tape of himself uh, from the Super Bowl season. And it just, he said something just sort of reminded him that he needs to get back to doing whatever that thing was that he won't say, won't say. And ever since then, he's been, you know, off the charts sharp in practice. And then, of course, had the unbelievable game against the Vikings. Now, the one thing is the Vikings, um, you know, looking at some of the statistics, I, I saw this today. I mean, they loaded the box a ton. Um, in fact, the, the Packers ran the most plays in week one against a quote-unquote loaded box, which is defined as eight defenders, you know, at or near the line of scrimmage. So, obviously, they were loading up to stop Aaron Jones in the run. And you do that, and Aaron Rodgers is going to pick you apart. Combine that with the fact that the Vikings, you know, no longer have the the big name corners that we're used to seeing the, the Xavier Rhodes of the world, and and you know guys that have really been top notch defensive backs and cover guys, and and you get what you got the other day, which was three hundred and what sixty four yards of passing offense from Rodgers, four touchdowns, and um, you know spreading the ball around to those top three receivers. Well, okay, you say spread the ball around, but it, looking at the numbers, well, it wasn't yeah. so much a spread. Like, is is he? Is that just going to be? Obviously, it's only one game, but right. you think it's going to be a force feed to Devontae Adams? Every well, yeah, week, I week. mean, it was last year, but 
you know, now he's got, I mean, uh, Valdez Scantling had 96 yards. Now, granted, it was only on four catches. Um, Lazard had, I think, four for 63, and they both had touchdowns. So, I mean, look, um, if you look at Devontae Adams' targets over the last four years, it's like 120, 130, 140 every year. And last year he missed four games and still almost had 1,000 yards. So uh, there's a chemistry, and I wrote about this on Monday, there's a chemistry between him and, and, uh, and Adams, a lot like what was the Jordy Nelson – Rogers connection that was you know so incredible um, that that you know it's why wouldn't you keep going to it but he Rogers has claimed all offseason that he's got confidence in Lazard and Valdez Scantling and even EQ St. Brown who was uh, inactive last week so um, you know I think their receivers they believed in their receivers on the inside more than anybody else on the outside did which is you know could help explain why they didn't draft anybody. Well, I mean, they did bring in Devin Funches, who obviously is not playing this right. season. Right, yeah, opted out, yeah. Would that have made – what are the difference do you think that might have made in this offense? Or do you think he believes enough, enough in Lazard and yeah. Scantling that it wouldn't have necessarily mattered? Well, I think it would have given him depth because really now behind those three, there's nobody with any experience, you know. I mean, St. Brown didn't play all last year. And the other – the fifth receiver on the roster is um, a guy who you've – probably never heard of Malik Taylor who was on the practice squad last year and the only reason you may have heard of him is because he played at Ferris State uh, in college so not exactly um, anybody outside of the region would would know that guy so um, so yeah I mean the, the funchest things I mean what happens if Adams has an injury and misses four games like he did last year now that is when Aaron Jones went started to go nuts so maybe they get back to that but yeah I mean look their their margin of error is slim just because they don't have a ton of weapons. No, it's interesting we're talking about the offense here because right now the Lions' biggest concern is they've got like five cornerbacks total. <laughs> they had they start okay, so they started with seven healthy cornerbacks on September 5th on the cutdown day. Well, now Justin Coleman's on IR, Mike Ford's on IR. Desmond Trufant didn't practice today on Wednesday. We don't know what his availability is going to be. Daryl Roberts didn't practice on Wednesday. Don't know what his availability is going to be. Jeff Okuda has yet to play an NFL snap. And Amani Awarie is their only healthy guy that has any sort of experience, real experience with the Lions because their other slot, their slot corner right now will be Tony McRae, who is really more of a special teams guy and came over from Cincinnati. When Aaron Rodgers sees something like that, <laughs> his eyes light up you know, but also does he say okay you know what this could be more of a balanced game plan or does he actually say you know if Jeff Okuda in his first ever NFL yeah. snaps as good as he may or may not be yeah. as a number three overall pick do you think Aaron Rodgers goes right at him and just says listen I'm going to keep throwing at you until you actually do something I absolutely think that and you know what the one thing that I've learned about Matt LaFleur um, in, well, let's see, 19 games as a head coach, I guess it is now, 16, two playoffs and the what, yeah, 19 games, is he's a matchup guy. Like, yes, he has his core of his offensive beliefs, which is the, you know, pre-snap motion, the play action, all that stuff, but he's going to change his game plan and, his, and, and what part of his playbook he uses from week to week based on the matchup, which is a lot different than the way Mike McCarthy did it where, it was basically we're going to line up and do what we do, and we think we're going to do it better than what you do. This is so different um, that, you know, there could be games where they go into it 
and they're going to run the ball 30 times. And there's games where uh, they're just going to, you know, go after guys like they did against the Vikings. So um, that's, I think, the biggest thing that's become apparent with Lafleur and his offense is that it changes from week to week based on what matchups he likes. And then him and Rodgers certainly have no trouble uh, adapting it. Building on that a little bit with a little bit of a twist, do you think it's still wise to not blitz Aaron Rodgers or has Rodgers maybe taken, gotten a little bit slower where maybe you can blitz him and be effective? Because so many times in years past, yeah. you did that, you, you're done. Like, yeah. yeah, he did. He, he, you're right. He always destroyed the blitz. Um, I, haven't, I didn't look at the blitz numbers from week one, but, um, you know, my sense is that he got the ball out for pretty quickly. Uh, they do have some injuries on their offensive line, so uh, communication could be an issue. But um, I can remember one play where their rookie tight end, Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati, their third-round pick, did an unbelievable job on a blitz pickup, and it, and it led to a, a completion to Adams. And when you have a rookie that's playing his first game that's picking up blitzes, you know, that's pretty good. Um, Aaron Jones has become a pretty good blitz pickup guy. Jamal Williams has become, is excellent at it. Uh, so they, they really do have pretty good – protection for him uh you know the one thing that, that Rodgers isn't going to do as much he's not going to see the blitz coming and, and try to beat it with his legs you know he's not going to do that as much but he's still going to beat it with his mind and, and still beat it with his arm and, and and he did not get sacked once last week you mentioned tight ends what's up there <laughs> because you know, all you heard, at least on the outside, was Jay Stenberger, Robert Tanyan, yeah. maybe, you know, who started his career in Lions training camp and was kind yep. of a training camp darling and then got cut. Yep. Tanyan didn't have a catch. I don't even know if he had a target. And Stenberger didn't really seem to do all that much. No. So what's going no. on? So, you know, they have, um, if I'm right about this, they have, or they did, they had five tight ends on the roster and active for the game the other day because they did one of those practice squad elevations. And uh, what's the saying? If I'll paraphrase. If you have five tight ends, you have none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, teams that had two quarterbacks, they really have none. Uh, look, it's different. You know, there's no, there's no Jimmy Graham. There's no Martellus Bennett. There's no uh, Jared Cook, guys that have really been go-to guys. But they each have this little niche. Um, DeGuara is a guy who – is really more of an H-back. Um, he's lined up all over the place. He had uh, one catch for 12 yards, but he also had this block downfield on an end around that they ran for Alan Lazard, and DeGuara took out two defensive backs in, with one block. So he's super athletic. Sternberger, I can't figure out. He was a third-round pick uh, in 2019 and just, just can't seem to get on the field. I don't know. It, it, with guys like that, you just wonder if – Rodgers just doesn't believe in him, and, and just he just can't make it work with the guy. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is the is the ninety five year old blocking tight end who is just he just is ageless. It's unbelievable. But again, he's not going to be a guy that they're going to throw the ball to more than once or twice a game. And then so and Tanya because Tanya and Tanya yeah Tanya you described Tanya perfectly. Training camp darling, I remember two years ago he had a like a sixty yard fifty four yard touchdown against the Seahawks and I think it was a Thursday night game, primetime game. And you thought, Oh, this is going to be the start of Tanya. And this was in 2018. And then he hardly ever played again. So um, last year he had a big catch against Dallas on a sideline play where he jumped up, extended athletic play, came down, tore his core muscle and, you know, basically never played again. So he's one of those guys that 
just doesn't just can never seem to make it happen. But he's like you said, a training camp darling. They had a, we had an expression here. Um, the Packer, Packers old training camp field was along Oneida street. Um, and when I first started covering the team and we came, we had this expression, he was all Oneida, you know, they practice on, he's one of those all Oneida guys where he just lit it up during training camp and then you never heard from him again. So it's like the Vikings, Mr. Mankato, when they used to yeah, have right, exactly. Mankato, and it's like yeah. that person would always be like a guy that would get talked about. And then right. we never hear from them yep. again, unless it's Adam Thielen. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so looking at defense, I think people maybe were surprised with how good Green Bay's defense was at points last year. Do you think they're at that same level this year or maybe better? Yeah. Well, were they, were, I wonder, were they surprised then when the 49ers ran for 285 yards against them in the NFC championship game? It was so weird because like <laughs> everything that they did on their defense was pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. Right. And the Smiths, were unbelievable. I mean, you, you could talk about free agent signings and impacts they've made. And look, I'm not comparing it to Reggie White or even Charles Woodson, but I, outside of those two guys, I'm not sure I've seen big name, big money free agents come in and produce and not just produce on the field, but sort of captivate the team like the Smiths, especially Zadarius. I mean, he, he is this Guys follow him. He's an incredible leader. He's super outgoing. He has fun on the field. Um, and his, his impact last year was just was – un, was unbelievable. I mean, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like anybody, and he loves the Smiths, especially Zedarius. So, um, I, you know, but, but here's the thing. They spent all this money on the pass rush. Their first-round pick was Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, pass rusher. And what did the 49ers do? in that championship game, they threw it eight times. That's it. They basically just said, you know what, we're not even going to mess with those guys. So um, their run defense to me is still a huge question mark. And as it pertains to this week, their best run stopper on the interior of the line, Kenny Clark went out with a groin injury in the second quarter of the Vikings game. And I don't know that he's going to, I don't know that he's going to play this week. So, you know, the the best run stopper they had, you know, isn't going to be there. And, And I'm sure the Lions went and looked at, you know, what the Vikings did right after Clark went out and, and they ran like two or three times with Dalvin Cook right up the middle. So uh, I, I don't know. I can't tell you whether their defense is any better. I'm not sure if it was good last year or bad because they were so inconsistent. Um, the opener last year, a game they won in Chicago, what was it, 10 to 7 or 7 to 3? I can't even remember what it was. Aaron Rodgers' first quote after the game was, we have a defense now. Well, by the time they got to the NFC Championship game, they had no defense. So it's just – it was such a weird – you know, I think they finished like 18th in the rankings, but uh, they were either – they were not really a middle of the pack. They were either really good or really bad. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up Kenny Clark because the one maybe – one of the bright spots from Sunday for the Lions was a guy that Packers fans are very familiar with, Adrian Peterson, mm. who's now a Lion, yep. and he actually ran really well. So do you think that they – and Peterson, as everyone knows, one of his things is he's going to be a battering around up the middle yep. more so now than I think he is the jump cut guy that he was earlier in his career. Yep. Do you think that the Lions could potentially take advantage of that even if, if – even if, especially if Clark doesn't play? Yeah, I would be surprised if they don't try that, Mike. I mean, like, that's where I would start, um, you know, because um, – that's just a huge hole. And, and really at inside linebacker, they've got, you know, two new guys in there, Christian Kirksey, 
uh, free agent that they signed from Cleveland who, uh, you know, had a big, had a nice game uh, the other day, but the guy next to him that they started was an undrafted rookie who they cut coming out of training camp and then promoted to the roster um, on Saturday, the day before the game, a guy named Chris Barnes. I mean, this was, you know, they, they tried to revamp their inside linebacker core and they basically ended up, you know, deciding to go with an undrafted free agent who they cut five days earlier um, as, as one of their starters. So I would definitely try to attack the middle of the field with these guys, both uh, in the run and maybe even in the short passing game. Why did they do that? So here's what happened. They drafted um, Kamal Martin in the fifth round and linebacker out of Minnesota, and, and they wanted him to compete with Oren Burks, who was a third-round pick a couple of years ago, who's had a ton of injuries and really didn't play at all last year. Um, Martin was really good in training camp, um, had won the starting job, and then in one of their last practices, um, uh, suffered a meniscus or MC, a meniscus, torn meniscus, had a scope uh, like two weeks ago, and, and they put him on uh, they put him on the roster, but then moved him to IR. So he he obviously wasn't isn't going to play for a couple weeks. Uh, and then Oren Burks, for whatever reason, they just didn't go with him. He was the backup, and they went with this Chris Barnes kid out of UCLA, who incidentally uh, was a high school teammate of Jordan Love's, uh, their first round pick. It all comes back to Jordan Love these days for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope that the Jordan Love uh, storyline, uh, you know, doesn't come up again until the next offseason when there's more speculation uh, about when he'll replace Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, looking more at the defense still, Jair Alexander, if Kenny Galladay does not play, do yeah. you think they'll paste him to Marvin Jones? Or would they yeah, um, how, how I, handle that? Jones, as you know, has had some big games against the Packers, you know, over yeah, the years. Yeah, six for 205 and uh, 2000. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't have the, the roster in front of me, but I, remind me how tall – like, Jones, is Jones – how tall is Jones? Like six, two. He's yeah. not Galladay. He's not Galladay, right. he, yeah. So, typically what they like to do – they'll play sides most of the time. Unless a team has just a giant, you know, six five guy, and then they often put Kevin King on him because he's six one, really long. He's their biggest corner, and Jair is, you know, five ten and a half, um, super athletic. So that's typically the way they, if they're going to match, they do that. But I'll tell you what, I mean, Jair Alexander is he is a damn good football player, and he is he is quickly becoming a star, um, and. and a guy who will take chances um, and, and some guys, you know, you, they take chances and they get burned. I don't know if he's just got, you know, a horseshoe in his pocket, but he seems to get so lucky. Like I'll give you an example. The other day, uh, the Packers go for it on fourth and one from the, you know, the Vikings one yard line, they don't get it. Um, so the, the Vikings take over, they're backed up. Jair Alexander, um, basically I thought it was a blitz off the corner that Patton called. It turned out he thought it was a run and he just gambled thinking it was a run and it was a pass play. And if, if uh, Kirk Cousins would have gotten the ball out hot, I mean, the guy that uh, Alexander was supposed to cover would have been open in the flat and probably would have gone catch and run might've gone 99 yards, but Cousins didn't see him. And Alexander ends up getting a sack for a safety. I mean, it's just, those are the kind of things that just seem to, this guy seems to do right. I mean, he did, he did everything wrong based on the call and it turned out right. Um, and then he had a huge interception right before halftime. It was a, they were up, Packers were up 15 to seven. It was kind of an ugly game. Alexander picks it with like 
40 seconds left in the half. Rodgers goes and scores another touchdown. Now they're up 22-7 at halftime. I mean, he's just, he's just a game changer. Um, he's super, super cocky and confident, um, but, but also really charming at the same time. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, if, if it was the old days and we could sit in the lo- – old days. If it was last year and we could sit in the locker room and talk to a guy, you, you'd talk – he'd hold court for an entire open locker room session and he'd, and he'd have fun doing it. So with him, right, by the way, the Lions used to have a few of those guys, Glover Quinn, now retire, Golden Tate, now with the Giants. That was like Wednesdays with Golden and Glover for a long time. That doesn't exist now also because (laughs) it's all a Zoom world. Right. But when you look at Alexander, is he a guy that you think, is he better against maybe a speed receiver or is he better against kind of a contested catch, high high point, the ball receiver? Because really both of their outside guys – whether it's Galladay, Cephas, yeah. or Jones, our high point guys, where Marvin yeah. Hall, that speed guy, and maybe that one different option they have. Yeah, honestly, I think he can do it all. Um, he plays so much bigger than his, than his five, ten, and three quarters. Um, the Packers used to have uh, – Ron, when Ron Wolf was the GM, he had a rule that he wouldn't take a corner that was five, ten – I think it was five, ten, and three quarters or under, and Alexander is right at that sort of Mendoza line. And they took him anyway because his, his jumping and his speed and all that are off the charts. Um, you know, he's gone against all different types. Uh, they really have a good combination with the small speed guy in, in Alexander and the long, lanky, tall guy in Kevin King. Um, they really do have a pretty darn good uh, one-two punch. What they don't really have is a proven nickel guy. Um, they let Tremont Williams, uh, yeah, they just let him go. He, his contract was up. He's 37 years old. Um, played like 750 snaps last year, and I can't believe they didn't bring him back. But um, he's out of the league right now. And you sort of wonder, like, at, at any point, will they just call him back if they end up having trouble with, uh, you know, with their slot guy? So, so who do they have in the slot now, then, that's going to make – that would be matched up more than like – Yeah, a guy I'm sure you've never heard of. His name is Chandon Sullivan. Um, where's number 39. Um, he was their dime guy last year, and he's their nickel guy this year. And uh, the Vikings, interestingly enough, didn't test him at all. Uh, and they played a ton of sub. I think they were in sub like uh, 40, let's see, they had like 55 play. I think they were 40 out of 55 plays. They were in sub, nickel or dime. So Sullivan was on the field a ton, and they didn't go after him at all, which is surprising. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy. And in fact, we had uh, their secondary coach, Jerry Gray, on a Zoom call this week, and he even said, he goes, look, the way the, Vic- or the, way the Lions play – um, I fully, if, if their receivers are all, if they're going to go three wides, I would fully expect them to, to challenge Sullivan because he wasn't tested at all last week. So that would potentially mean a big game for either Danny Amendola or we could see the rare 39 on 39 collisions. <laughs> Jamal Agnew, the converted cornerback turned running back receiver. Who, I love those guys. Well, but so, so, okay. So my understanding with Agnew, even though some places he's still listed as a cornerback, but he is a running back slash receiver, so he can keep 39. <laughs> hey, we went, we went through that with uh, Ty Montgomery here when he switched right. from receiver to running back, but he wanted to keep 88. So, yeah, I love those, those odd numbers. Yeah, not, so we could- odd, not odd, which reminds me of a, uh, a Stephen Wright, the comedian line, where he said he was playing roulette in uh, Las Vegas, and he got into an argument with the dealer over what he thought was an odd number. <laughs> 
I miss Stephen. Ro- I miss. I gotta listen to him some more. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the greatest. Like one. I mean, he's a great one line. Oh yeah, dead, no, I, dead I, I, comedian. I but back in the day, I remember seeing him in college, and just he he was just so good. Just but yes, like, I I did not mean an odd like odd or even number. I meant oh, I know an, what you an, meant. an un, unusual number for a offensive, uh, which would be thirty nine, for yeah. instance, <laughs> or. or 53, which is the Lions' fullback, Jason Cabinda, who is the linebacker turned fullback, who oh. still kept 53. The Lions are all – I mean, I think more players should do that. Yeah. Completely mess with the NFL system. Be like, yeah, I'm going to be a, a linebacker wide receiver and wear like 70. Well, you can't do that as a, as a linebacker. But you don't say right. it. Like, I love it. I'd yeah. love to see a quarterback – a quarterback linebacker so that way you could – remember in old college days when like you'd see quarterbacks wear like – you know, 50 or yep. like, like yep. That, not that long ago, but like, I remember that from like early NCAA oh, yeah. football video game days where like, Oh yeah. I found a team that had quarterback number 26. <laughs> that was my team. I didn't care how good they were. Uh, I had not figured out that you could just change a player's number. I was like 10. Uh, <laughs> but when you, so when you look at, maybe you think the biggest weakness on the Packers right now, where is that? Is it, the offensive line, which has some injuries? Is it that pass? Yeah. The run defense, which is maybe without Kenny Clark? Is it somewhere else that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the run defense, which I think is just going to be a huge question mark until they prove that they, they, that they can stop it on a consistent basis. But you're, you, you know, we haven't talked about the offensive line. And they were sort of in flux, you know, basically going back to March 17th, which is the day Brian Balaga signed a three-year, $30 million contract with the Chargers. You know, the Packers let their longtime starting right tackle go just because they, you know, he was 30 some years old. They had some injury history. And I just, I don't, you can't blame them for not wanting to invest in him, even though Balaga was fantastic the last couple of years. But they went out and signed a guy that, that you know, Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner. Um, <laughs> yeah. To, but but the, they signed him to a contract that told you they weren't convinced he's going to be their right tackle. And lo and behold, come training camp, uh, he did not win the job. Billy Turner did. They're starting right guard last year. So then they took Lane Taylor, who was their starting left guard last year, and got injured, missed the whole year, uh, the whole year after week three with a biceps injury. Uh, so then, then he comes back and he wins the right guard job. So then they move Billy Turner out to right tackle. Then Billy Turner gets hurt, uh, doesn't play the opener. And then they move their old left guard to start at right tackle on Sunday against the Vikings. And then their left guard, Phil-in, got hurt, so they moved Elton Jenkins back. And lo and behold, Rick Wagner finished the game at right tackle and played actually pretty well. And even if Billy Turner comes back this week, Rick Wagner could be the right tackle and Billy Turner could be the right guard. Or none of that could happen because Billy Turner can't play. You got all that? I got all that. That's a, that's don't, a, ask me to, don't ask me to go through that again. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. That's a big circuitous route for Rick Wagner, though. Yes, it is. Um, which – Again, unfortunately, we're not in locker rooms anymore. So my typical Rick Wagner question, which is, has he talked to the media yet, would be invalid because generally yeah. you know, there's not that type of access. But Rick Wagner would never talk to the media in Detroit. Just, just didn't happen. He was very he, quiet. He, he, yeah, he did one Zoom call. It was very pl- polite and pleasant, but also very boring. Um, he, as you know, is a Milwaukee area native. He went to Wisconsin. Uh, he's now playing for his home state team, and that's about as much as I can tell you about him. He likes to hunt and fish. Okay. Well, I, I, he's from Wisconsin. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I live in Wisconsin, 
am not from Wisconsin, and I don't like to do either of those two things. Well, I, I we're from the same area of the country. I I do I am live in Michigan. I am not from Michigan. I do not hunt and fish either. <laughs> it's just not what I do. I would not be good at it. It would just at, so at a a wedding last summer. I went fishing, like my friends had brought fishing poles because it was on uh, a lake just north of Traverse City. And they brought fishing poles. I'm like, oh, let's fish. So I'm watching them do it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never really done this since I was like a little kid. <laughs> give me the fishing pole. Let's give it a shot. You know, I didn't hook myself, but <laughs> it very easily could have happened while I like cast the line out. Like it would have been bad like dumb and dumber like old school type moment i don't want to catch a fish because i don't want to have to take it off the hook i i get it i get it i i love eating certain types of fish like me too white fish person but yeah i guess the, the one other question i'd have for you rob with this is when you look at green bay and i know you were on we you know we were all on the spring together here on a very previous episode of the show what do you think the the bent the high bar is for this team this year now that you've actually seen them and you've gone yeah. you kind of know a little bit more where they are because it seems like the nfc north even with the lions collapse as the lions tend to do and the bears yeah. not knowing what they have and the vikings maybe not being as good it still seems like it's a division that's super tight right i i thought mike that if they could get through the early portion of the schedule uh which included um after this week includes games at Drew Brees, home against Matt Ryan, at Tom Brady, and at Deshaun Watson. I thought if they could get through that stretch, they'd have a really, with a decent record, that they'd have a real chance because their schedule gets a little easier. They still have to go to San Francisco, which has been a total disaster for them the last two times they went. But after that, you know, you got Jacksonville at Indy, home against the Bears, home against the Eagles, at Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, at Chicago. I mean, it's not that tough of a schedule. They have some brutal quarterback matchups uh, early on, just those guys I mentioned. Um, And, uh, you know, after that, it's not that tough. So um, they stayed so healthy last year. The only major injury they had was Devontae Adams' turf toe, which he missed four games. And that was the time of the year when Aaron Jones, you know, became this big part of their offense. So um, they got so lucky with that. They got so lucky with the schedule last year, not having to play Mahomes. I mean, he hurts his knee like 10 days before the Packers were going to play, play him there. So I don't think they're getting all those breaks again. I mean, it's just luck would just, you know, it just doesn't work that way, but I still think they're a, a 10, 11, maybe even a 12 win team. And they could be even better than they were last year as a 13-win team because it's just another year of Rodgers and LaFleur together in a system, refining what they want to do. Um, you know, I think I said it at the end of last year, walking out of that game where they lost to the 49ers, that they could have a worse record than they did last year but be a better team going into the playoffs. So with that in mind, do they win? who wins Sunday? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Lions win, although, like, you think about those two games last year, and Matt LaFleur put it great when he talked about You think to the us. Lions win? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, I think the Packers win, but, but here, you think about the two games last year. Matt LaFleur said this uh, in his first comments on Wednesday. He goes, the Lions literally led for 120 out of 120 minutes in both games last year, 
it was a, quote, miracle that we won. I mean, the Packers did not lead until there were zeros on the clock in both games. Um, so I don't think it's going to be uh, just a cakewalk. Uh, the Lions, you know, played them so tough last year. If not for, you know, those last-second drives, last-minute drives, you know, it, it could have gone the other way. But I, I do think that the Packers will, will, will get this one. I don't think it will be easy. I don't know. I think what's the spread I saw was like five-and-a-half. Um, I, I might t- if, if, if I were a gambler, I might take the Lions and the points. But um, I do think that the Packers will win. By the way, since you talked about the 120 minutes that the Lions led last year, you, the official, because the NFL doesn't not love its drama, right? The officials Cleet Blakeman for Sunday, who was the official last year in Lambeau <laughs> with the illegal. That, don't think that, I, that Lions fans haven't caught on to that really I'm quickly. Trying to remember if I had to do a pool report for that game or not, you or if, some, if somebody did. Yeah, I can't. Somebody I had, had to, to do a pool report for that yeah, game. Yeah. There were, I know I had to do a couple of them last year. Yeah. And we have, we, as of what did it say, Wednesday? As of Wednesday night, we haven't gotten Trey Flowers yet, but I'd be very curious to hear Trey Flowers' opinion on, <laughs> on, on that a year later. Yep. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, first game I won't be at since 2015. Yeah, I, I experienced that Sunday, not going to, uh, to Minnesota. I, I missed um, a game in 2013 when I had kidney stones, but I didn't cover the game from home. So, like, that was the first game that I've covered from home in probably 20 years. Yeah, I, um, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be different. That's for sure. Like I said, the last one I covered from home was actually I was in New York, and it was when the Mets played the Royals in the World Series, and the Lions were in London right after they had fired their offensive coordinator and then fired their GM and uh, team president like four days after that. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Rob, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll probably talk again here in, what, November, December, whenever whenever they seem to. It, it is uh, December 13th, Things according to my handy schedule. Yeah, it always <laughs> does, doesn't it? Absolutely. I want to thank my guest, Rob Domofsky. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rob Domofsky. So I'll make my pick really quick for this game. I just think the injuries are too much for the Lions. They've had some success in Lambeau of late. It's not nearly the house of horrors it was for them in years past. I just I think those corner injuries are a little bit going to be a little bit too much. Aaron Rodgers really seems on point. No Kenny Galladay, I think, if he does not play, really hurts them as well. So I see it as kind of a maybe 35-23, 34-23 win for the Packers in Lambeau. Just those injuries right now I think are just a little bit too much. Plus the Lions haven't really shown much of a pass rush. And I just don't know defensively how you're going to stop Green Bay if you're Detroit right now. As good as Matt Patricia has schemed against the Packers in the past, I just think from a personal st- Personnel standpoint, you're already pretty far behind with a lot of inexperienced players at key positions or guys that just haven't really proven themselves yet, even if they have some experience. So, yeah, I'm going with a Packers. We'll we'll say 34-23, although on ESPN.com it might end up being 35-23. Win over the Lions. You can follow me on... Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. 
Thanks, as always, for listening to the shows this week. We really appreciate it. If you'd be so kind, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or just download and subscribe wherever you do listen to your podcasts. And with that, we'll chat with you again on Monday. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.